0: Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. It's time for Inside the Training Room, brought to you by Chippewa Valley Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Crow joining us.
1: And he knows what he's doing. He fixed my knee with a cortisone shot deeper. I don't know how many years ago it was, and he said, yeah, this will last you for six months, two years it's been at least five years, and it's never. I've never had a problem. So wherever he stuck <laughs> that needle, he did it the right way, Doc. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Maybe I need to get, visit you again here, Doctor Crow. I was list, lifting yeah. a lot of pine trees last Saturday, and I meet, need a little uh, fixing or something like that too. I'm getting old, as you said, though. That'll happen. He, he hit me up on Twitter and said, "Bend with your knees," and I'm like,
1: "There you go. That's right. Not your back."
0: He, Doc, caught me.
1: He there caught me. Go. So. <laughs>
0: hey, uh, we got combine stuff going on here, Austin. And uh, I kind of want to lead off with, uh, with, with a player that, uh, well, he got hurt this season. And uh, it's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for the Colts. And Colts uh, front office people saying, you know, he's progressing well. He just finally started throwing the, the football uh, as of recently here. But we remember he had that shoulder injury, a couple shoulder injuries, but he had surgery mm-hmm. during the season here. I don't know if you know off the top of your head or not, but what is it something similar to what Drew Brees had? And, you know, we know Anthony Richardson. He's he's a guy who likes to, you know, tuck the football and, and kind of run here too. But with a shoulder injury like that, do you think he's gonna have to really kind of change his style of play and and maybe not run as much with, with that injury?
2: Uh so to your first question is similar to Drew Brees. They actually are different injuries. So Drew okay. Brees had the large labral tear. Um, Richardson has what we call an AC separation. So we've, we've talked about that injury in the past, but just to touch base, that's where the clavicle comes over and joins the shoulder. It's a very common injury. So, you know, I mean, we see it in hockey, and you know, speaking of hockey, you guys are just chatting about that. I mean, we see it probably about once a week in a hockey player. They just go down to the boards or the ice, and it's usually a direct impact into the shoulder. It drives the shoulder down. The collarbone pulls up, and that creates a, a separation. Now, low grade, like grade one and grade two, They hurt like a son of a gun, but they bounce back very nicely without really any any conservative treatment at all. We just kind of say, all right, when it feels better, go out and play. Well, once you get into a grade three and higher where you have complete disruption of the ligaments, that can create a problem, Um, certainly in a pro football player's throwing shoulder. So um, it's not a a super common surgery, um, but it's certainly one that we do. And you basically try to repair that back down. So you pull the clavicle back down and get it in place. But to answer your second question, does he have to change his playing style? I mean, usually when these heal up, they heal up pretty well. So I would expect him to be able to get back. I mean, the real question is, is is you know, for this season, is he going to have any lingering stiffness or weakness in that throwing shoulder? I don't expect a lot, but I, I'm assuming as he gets into it. And then, of course, there's the mental part of the recovery where him, you know, being a guy who uses his feet, is he going to think twice about rushing because of that? And that may be part of it. I mean, there's, there's always that mental aspect of recovery. So physically, I, I, I bet he'll bounce back well. There may be a little bit of hesitation at first, but hopefully once he gets back in the swing, he's the player he was before the injury.
0: You know, with with the combine going on, we've kind of had this discussion throughout the week. You know, from a fan's perspective, is it a little overrated, you know, just to kind of watch these guys doing all these drills and running 40s and and, and all that? And, you know, uh, one of the things I think that's not overrated is the the team's able to interview these players and such. But also, this this is the first chance for a lot of these medical teams to kind of take a look at these players too, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely.
0: I mean, that's, I I honestly
2: think a lot of teams view that is one of the most critical parts of the combine is getting their medical team to assess players because I mean, football is a sport that's filled with injuries. And so most of these guys at one point or another have have been dinged up along the way, sometimes minor, sometimes more serious. And so there's a lot of guys who have injuries that they're looking at and saying, all right, what do we think? Is this going to be something bounce back fully? Are we worried about long-term? are worried about, you know, a career that's going to be shortened because an injury is going to result in earlier arthritis, all sorts of things that you have to weigh in. Um, and so it is absolutely a critical part. And like you mentioned, there's also, you know, the old wonderlick test and the mental part of it where you got to see what the athlete has between the ears as well. Um, there's no MRI that helps you there either. you got to figure that one out the old-fashioned way.
0: Mm-hmm. I took the wonderlick uh, on the air live last year. I tested really well. I should have been to the Combine, so. Under pressure, baby. Right. I, I excel under pressure. So, Austin, <laughs> uh, I also wanted to – we had a couple questions from from listeners here really quick, and since we're talking about uh, the, the combine, I, I saw this, and I do too. I don't know if you saw the video or the, the tweet from Braylon Allen uh, the other day, but uh, it was – I don't was, think it, he, uh, they, they, it was a 33rd team or something. like. That. I think it's Trey Wingo's uh, website. But they tweeted a picture of Braylon Allen lifting weights, and, I mean, we know Braylon Allen's jacked, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's a yeah. big kid. Braylon Allen tweeted back. He said, "I was 17 in that picture." To which J.J. Watt tweeted, "Dude, this is what I looked like when I was 17." And, you know, he's like skinny yeah. and and all that. Oh yeah. Uh, so, one question for from a listener said: Is there any potential future issues with maybe a 17 year old being that built or or you know being that muscular, or putting a lot of you know uh, I guess using a lot of weights and and at that early of an age or. I, I guess I don't know if they're assuming maybe like a growth spurt or something like that. But is there any risk to being, I guess, that jacked uh, at, at that early age? Do you know?
2: I also did not suffer from
0: that problem. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> the
2: the uh, I, I no the answer short answer is no. I mean, there's the, you know that kind of there was the old adage of like you don't want kids starting to lift too soon. There's not a lot of evidence that that's really an issue. Now you want to be smart about overuse injuries in young kids because their growth plates are still open. But there's not a study that says if you lift weights that you're going to be shorter, that you're not going to have the same kind of growth potential. So I think that's been put by the wayside. Um, but there are a whole set of problems that young athletes deal with that more mature muscle cell people, um, aka adults, don't have to deal with. So um, I, I people will ask me that pretty frequently, like, should I hold my back kid from lift, you know my kid back from lifting and keep him out of that? And I, I, the answer to that is that's no. But I think if you do start to run into like tightness, soreness, you just have to be more cognizant of that and how you approach it. But, I mean, we all know Braylon Allen is a specimen. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, those guys, what they do with their body, they're just built different, right? I mean, there's a reason that he's going to be an NFL uh, running back, and they're just built differently than the average human being. So do I see that being a problem? No. Um, And really, and in a lot of ways, it's actually protective. When they're stronger, it stabilizes the joints. Um, So, you know, as long as they do it the right way, not a problem.
0: Uh, another question we had from, from a listener was, uh, kind of maybe a little off topic, but what's doctors, uh, Dr. Crow's thoughts on, uh, everybody wearing those Kins tape, I'm assuming kinesiology tape that they're referring to. Yep. So what are your thoughts yep, on kinesiology
2: that? Tape. Uh, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of evidence that says that it, it's, um, super, super helpful. I have plenty of patients who like to use it. So I often defer to them and say, Hey, give it a shot. See if it helps. It's usually put on by either physical therapists or athletic trainers. Um, some people swear by it. So, um, you know, basically it's a stretchy cape that you put on around a joint. There are certain patterns that are supposed to be to address muscle issues, tendon issues, instability, etc. cetera. Um, again, I mean, do I think that a little bit of stretchy tape on the skin is going to be able to really stabilize the joint beneath it? I, I don't think it makes a tremendous difference. But there's also probably a little bit of placebo effect or patients, feel like they're more stable. Similar to this, like people who have a, a knee problems, a simple slide-on sleeve, they'll a lot of times say it imparts a lot of stability. It doesn't. It's just a little compression, but it, it's that feeling and kind of mental support that goes a long way, and it's real. So I always tell patients, try it. Um, if you feel like it helps, go for it. If it doesn't, then then get rid of it. And I'd say, you know, there's, there is certainly a subset of people that are firm believers, and it's, it's not going to be dangerous. So that's, you know, with a lot of things... As long as it's not going to be harmful, try it. If it works, great.
0: So kind of maybe like a placebo effect a little bit?
2: A little bit. Uh, I mean, I think there might be a little bit more than just that, but I, I'm, I'm not pushing it. We'll put it that way.
0: Right. I, well, go ahead,
1: Bob. Doctor, I'm watching the, this, uh, whatever they're doing in Indianapolis now. Combine, yeah. Combine. And they're talking about one guy wasn't going to participate because turf toll. What exactly, and I, mm-hmm. I know, I've talked to other people who've had and they said it's excruciating pain when you put the shoe Doc's on. Doc's had right it around. too, yeah. You, mm-hmm. So explain, yeah. What's, is that a sprained toe? Is it inflammation of the toe? Because turf toe, I've never had it, but people that have had it said it's excruciatingly painful. So from a personal standpoint as well as professional, mm-hmm. what is it, and how does it affect you? Yeah.
2: I'm a turf toe survivor, so yes, I can speak to this. Um, <laughs> so... It is, it, so it's a sprain. So it's, it's the big toe. So it's the, you know, we call it the great toe. Um, and so the, the the joint at the base of the toe it's called the first MTP, the bottom has something called the plantar plate. So it's a very thick ligament. And it basically helps and allows us to help push off. So it's a kind of a combination of actual structural stability, but it also plays a role in the, in the great toe flexor. Well, what happens is you get excessive dorsiflexion or basically bending of the toe. And the reason why it's called turf toe, it doesn't have to happen with turf, but it's basically that that when turf was really becoming popular, it happened more commonly where the foot gets stuck in a turf and then a load applies to the foot and it basically bends the toe back too far and it tears that plate, so it's a.k.a. Sprain. Mild cases can be that. They can be mild. It aches for a little bit. People can play through it. You'll wear a special orthotic. Higher-grade cases where you actually tear the ligament completely can be a devastating injury. I mean, Deion Sanders' career was cut short by it. I had to have surgery on my foot in college because of it. I mean, it's a very painful. Every time you push off, it hurts. So that includes walking. So it is a painful injury, and you just lose an explosive step because when you try to push off, it's a stabbing pain in your foot. So it doesn't sound like much, but when an athlete has a high-grade uh, turf toe, it can be absolutely career-threatening because there's surgeries that work fairly well, um, but they don't always get all of that motion and strength back, and it can be a big deal. Because as you might imagine, a football player needs to be able to push off and load hard, and if they can't, well, that obviously affects their ability to function.
1: Would that be an effect that Deion Sanders had? Because it's been publicized now that if he hasn't already, there's a a foot going to have to be amputated. Would that wouldn't be a result of turf toe? Would it? Mm-mm.
2: No, no, I think that has to do more with um like vascular disease. I think he may have diabetes as well, but no, that's not directly related to that. no that that was back in his playing time.
0: uh we got another quick question here uh from uh this looks like it's from Ben. It's like, Doc, I apologize, but I'm a Packers fan, so i got a Packer question here for you. Uh, <laughs> All out uh,
2: one. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> he said, one of my guys that I would love to see the Packers draft is the kid Cooper from Iowa, but he's recovering from a uh, broken fibula back in November. Could there be any long-term concerns with a broken fibula when he gets back to, to, uh, gets back to playing?
2: Uh, the answer is, I mean, it can always be a problem, but traditionally fractures around the ankle do fairly well. Um, as long as they're isolated injuries, you can get collateral damage to the cartilage surface or the tendons that tend to be more long-term issues. But if it's an isolated fibula fracture, like it seemed like it was, those tend to heal well and and in patients do quite well. I mean, even real severe ones. I mean, think back to like Dak Prescott, he had a really severe ankle fracture dislocation. He's back playing. Um, And so ankle fractures, although they look horrific, because often there's a dislocation with it. So your foot flops around, and you know the everyone in the the crowd is gasping. Um, mm-hmm. They actually do 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 quite well.
0: Uh, this was just a question I had thought of too. I know we've talked a lot about Kirk Cousins and a lot about Achilles injuries, but that video mm-hmm. that he released or somebody released of him this week, you know him throwing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was a little uh, a little on purpose too? That it was like on a tennis court, it was on a hard surface where he was dropping back and and planting that foot to kind of showcase his recovery there.
2: Well, I'm sure it was staged. Um, so I, the surface may or may not play a huge role, but certainly that's to, hey, look how look how I'm doing. I'm doing well. I mean, he obviously is going to be in, in negotiations for where his future may lie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're trying to do that as part of a PR, like I'm doing well, I'm recovering. And it looks like he was moving pretty well. I think he's still favoring it slightly, which is not unexpected at all. So I thought overall it showed his progress is where I'd expect it to be. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a difference in him dropping back and him, you know, doing an explosive movement, So, and he's not quite there yet. Again, that's what I'd expect based on the timeline.
0: Yeah, so uh, really quick, one more question here. This is actually going to the uh, Twins here, uh, infielder Jose Miranda, because I, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, they're calling it a right shoulder impingement. When, when you hear impingement in the shoulder, what exactly is that?
2: So impingement implies something's bumping, and there's several forms of impingement around the shoulder. Most common is called subacromial or external impingement. So it's where you get the arm in a certain position, and the rotator cuff, or what's called the greater tuberosity, it's basically one of the bony protrusions in the shoulder that the rotator cuff inserts on, it bumps against the the top part of the shoulder called the acromion. Now, more commonly in throwers, you can get what's called internal impingement, and that's where certain, it's actually during the late cocking phase where the arm comes all the way back, due to some stiffness in the shoulder, they actually the inner part of the cuff bumps against the superior labrum. Um, and so it could be either one because we use the term impingement and it can describe either of those. Um, there's a, le- a less common one called subcorcoid impingement. where That's where the the front of the shoulder bumps against the, the coracoid process. So there's three types. By far the most common is external, but that's traditionally seen more in kind of lay people, right? Overhead workers, throwers, we do see that internal impingement. Now, if it's just internal impingement it hasn't resulted in any damage, usually some stretching, let it calm down, that does okay. But occasionally by the time they present, there's already some damage that's occurred to the labrum and sometimes where the biceps inserts, and even less commonly, but it can happen to the rotator cuff itself, and that can be a bigger problem. So it's important to catch that early and treat it appropriately.
0: Man, good stuff as always. Dr. Crow inside the training room, Chippewa Valley orthopedics and sports medicine continue doing some awesome stuff uh, for our community too there but uh we appreciate it and we appreciate you uh hopping on every friday morning with us sir absolutely you guys have a great day you too there you go dr crow inside the training room triple valley orthopedics and sports medicine